A very fresh prince is sent to live with his aunt and his uncle. The Disney afternoon is fully formed, and the bad Resident Evil 4 is finally here. This week on 30 Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine taking you back 30, 20, 10 years ago to celebrate the biggest and best anniversaries of movies, television, music, video games, and so very much more. Hello, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? In North Philadelphia, born and raised. On this podcast, <laughs> I spent most of my days. I'm Diana Goodman. Oh, almost five, nice. Almost five solid years with Diana. Yeah. Wow. It seems incredible. Uh, it's me, Sarah. It's Sarah, Sarah. And man, is there so very, very much to talk about. I revisited a very uncomfortable film for me. Uh, two very uncomfortable films. And it, in the 1990 segment, there is just way too much television to talk about. This is when just the big networks unleash everything at the exact same time. Every mm-hmm. year, seemingly just to doom themselves on purpose. <laughs> So who knows? Uh, and once again, we're supported by uh, Patreon.com slash LazerTime, supporting this show, Video Game Apocalypse LazerTime. Uh, there'll be a brand new episode of 302010 Games where we dig into the biggest gaming anniversaries of the month uh, with uh, Video Game Apocalypse's Michael Parez and Matty Allen. The, this this month will be no exception. Uh, Sarah's on a bonus time with uh, Sam and I this week sure. where we uh, give a little salute to Chadwick Boseman. I know mm-hmm. there's not a lot of time to do this here, but uh, that is absolutely heartbreaking. And it, uh, it's nice we got to say some things about it. Thank you for coming on, Sarah. Yeah. And uh, but, but fine, enough of that. 30, 20, 10, where each week we look back to 30, 20, and 10 years ago of this week. And this week for us is September 4th through the 10th. So happy, I think you might have seen me at PAX in 2010, so who knows. Mm. But happy anniversary, happy birthday. If you have a birthday between September 4th and the 10th. In any one of these decades, this should help place uh, where you were during this time period. And there's not a lot of news because, like, and the movies kind of back off of this week because it's a television's time to shine. Well, and, it's weird that we don't have a ton of movies to talk about because it is Labor Day weekend. Oh yeah, I guess. Uh, but I mean, like, Most Ghost is Ghost is still kicking everybody's ass. Yeah. And uh, if you were a kid seeing this movie, your parents are terrible. You or, have terrible terrible parents (laughs) we only have one movie really to talk about and it's interesting because it it's something that's going to come up in the next bunch of weeks too the the mpaa rating system and how there's nothing between r and x yeah and this 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 film because of that this film sat on a shelf for like three years yeah this and this film is brought up in every film class almost every film class i've ever taken especially when you take film classes on serial killers and monsters but uh yeah. ghost is number one at the box office this week september 4th through the 10th and out this week everybody grab your kids it's mary poppins himself michael rooker <laughs> <laughs> uh and henry portrait of a serial killer you tell me you never killed anybody before i ain't saying that open your eyes Look at the world. It's either you or them. You know what I mean. Ooh, just a wonderfully uncomfortable film. <laughs> very, very. It's yeah. It's one of those short list of movies where it's like, this was great. Jesus, I never want to watch this again. Ooh. 
because it is yeah it's a great film it is outstanding uh it is based on the life of henry lee lucas and oddest tool who uh were horrendous serial killers uh henry lee lucas it killed at least 11 people he mm-hmm. claimed like a couple hundred because he liked to talk mm. and separating fact from fiction from that guy is just is him fucking impossible but this is just a nice slow study of these two guys and how they have they're both psychopaths they have zero empathy and they don't understand that other people are actually people yeah and mm. i think um reading about just sort of why people were taken aback by this. Like usually these movies are done on television as a movie of the week. And the, the main character is the police officer trying to get them where this is like, mm. nah, just these are our main characters. Please enjoy stare. This is going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. This movie and, will not promote them. It won't vilify them. They just are. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's very strange. And like, I just remember it being brought up a lot when we talked about perspective perspectives in films and what perspective is being shown. And it's like, yeah, this movie made people very uncomfortable from showing the serial killer's point of view constantly (laughs) and and exclusively. And, uh, and no films have done that since, but like, uh, yeah, everything, every studying film, I, I, this came up so often that it's, it's one of the most uncomfortable monster movies you've ever seen because mm-hmm. it's based on something very, very real. It yeah. sounds kind of similar to Mindhunter, the Netflix mm-hmm. show that came out last yeah. year, two years ago. Yeah, except yep. that you got you got nice, likable, you know, FBI agents as your leads. Yeah. yeah. And but you know they don't you don't have those guys here. It's just hmm. long, uncomfortable shots of people doing awful things. Yeah. <laughs> and the the violence is real, real tough to watch. And that's what pulled this in X rating. Yeah. And they were like, we're not cutting our film. So mm-hmm. Um, It just kind of showed at really like at festivals, you know, it wasn't being formally released and it it got so many critics on its side of Mm -hmm. saying you this this is a work of art. It is not pornography. It does not deserve an X rating and finally got this small release unrated, which means a lot of theaters still aren't going to pick it up. Yeah. And and I, I think it was kind of a slow burn with you know cult movie fans in uh vhs for a while yeah. so like anybody who likes horror has heard of henry portrait of a serial killer and it's no, it can't be anyone's favorite film but it's it's interesting and it's i challenge you to watch it i i wouldn't do it for this show again but uh <laughs> yeah that's pretty much how i am too it's just like well yep i took that in a lot of it yeah. is indelibly seared in my brain and yeah. don't know if i need to watch it again except michael rooker is amazing can you can you believe he can play deranged Michael Rooker, <laughs> can you can you believe it intense and deranged yeah uh, uh, like does he play anything else yeah <laughs> yeah i mean most but like he's like graduated in that era that like kids growing up loved him in terrible schlocky shit that he's now like in children's movies constantly <laughs> or he's, yeah. he's in a lot of genre stuff in small to big roles i love the dude i met him in mall rats that's that's how i knew him <laughs> mm. <laughs> he's just he's so perfectly cast because he seems like the guy that's like he's your fun uncle until he's not mm-hmm. you know he's or it's a, like he's had one beer too many and now yeah. he's not you don't want to be around him he's, at all yeah the, the dangerous the dangerous Everyone's relative you're intrigued by but then grow out of <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah as you get older you realize wait those times weren't fun yeah those times were terrifying <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and okay, that, and that's you know I'm gonna wrap it up there just because like TV this week is absolutely insane as as for some reason oh, I do yes. and I I don't know why I'm gonna push the MTV VMAs down to the bottom even though it occurs first on the sixth. Um, okay, because and there's two huge things that happened this week too for me for little Christopher and I'm gonna try not 
to talk too much about any of them because they're not all exceptional. But the Fox Kids block debuts and the Disney Afternoon block debuts. And if come you, on in, nineties kids. Here <laughs> you go. I, I mean, if you know me, you know how big that is for me. These are some of my favorite things. I love these comics, video games, uh, shows, and I, I was this. These shows aired. They all aired in syndication, so they aired wherever Disney sold them to. It could be on, mine was on Fox, and I remember going to Miami to my grandparents' house for the summer, and they had like this lavish block that they called the Disney Afternoon. They never called it that where I was, and it didn't have interstitials. But do yourself a favor and look it up because it's like kind of the only animation where like the Rescue Rangers and uh, and Darkwing Duck and. DuckTales and Mickey Mouse and Donald all interact in one little like 30 second cartoon. And I'm I, like, I was denied that interstitial. I didn't, I missed the reference in the Disney Afternoon Collection. If you played that game, there's an 8 bit version of that that was created just for the game. And Michael, Diana's husband, had to tell me, like, no, we just didn't have that intro, man. But what essentially how it went, Gummy Bears was one of Disney's oh, first man. shows in uh, 1985. They launched DuckTales in 87. They launched Chippendale's Rescue Rangers in 88. And with the launch of what show, uh, ladies and gentlemen, but mostly ladies, what sh- there's a new show, meaning Disney can now pack two hours of syndicated content every single week. Do we remember <laughs> what this show is? Hmm. Take a guess. It, this is just—I guess you guys are both like on the different sides of the age spectrum of me. But that yeah. would be. Just a real banger of an intro. I could watch that all day. <laughs> but I'm not a maniac. I don't. I wouldn't ever say. <laughs> oh man, I just can't wait to sit back and watch all 100 episodes of Ducktales. Like I'm not crazy. But uh, <laughs> Tailspin has a really great opening. It's uh, uh, some of the Disney Afternoon did this, where they'd launch with kind of like a multi-day movie that they it, otherwise every episode mm. is self-contained. But it's called Plunder and Lightning, and it's in four parts, and it shows how it doesn't. It doesn't. Only comic books seem to like just take characters and just put them in entirely different worlds. I don't know where Disney got the idea to take the Jungle Book characters and put them in this weird Mediterranean seascape where there are air pirates. And uh, cargo <laughs> business, and King Louie runs a Casablanca bar in the neutral zone. It seems insane that that's what they did that's... with the Jungle Book characters. What? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> but but the Jungle Book had just been re-released in theaters, and I know instantly for me, even though the movie was made in '67, I couldn't tell, and I instantly loved everybody in the Jungle Book a lot, and mm-hmm. and casting Shere Khan as the giant corporate villain. But it looks really cool. There's been allegations. Uh, Disney may have stolen some of the design from uh, Porco Rosso, a Studio mm. Ghibli film that is that, that also looks very similar with planes that are sort of built the same way. Uh, but it's it's visually very interesting. And if you wanted to revisit it beyond the theme song, I thoroughly recommend episode one through four. And it has a really great Christmas special. Um, there again, there's. I, I had the. I, I thought that this tailspin ran for like for years but it's listed as one season of 65 episodes that's how these cartoons were launched they would launch with 65 episodes so you know as a little kid like oh i can't wait for to loop around again it's gonna take (laughs) it forever and it it felt like it did it would take you would be able to watch the season maybe twice in a year if you were vigilant or like me a loser (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but i remember this this show came out and uh me and my neighbor and my sister were running around screaming the theme song and jumping in the air we were just 
so very happy with this show. <laughs> it's it's a silly little memory. We would yell OEO tailspin and we would jump off of the driveway down a hill and roll. It, <laughs> it was it, it it just it conveyed such a sense of fun and like uh yeah, I recommend you check that out. Disney hasn't done much remastering to them, but they don't look yeah, they look kind of terrible, but but whatever. It's uh it's all ancient shit, but a lot of other new cartoons aired this week and I did I wasn't even aware of the Fox network until The Simpsons, but and I'm guessing something in their programming, something in their interstitial promotion told me to watch on Saturday because I'm there like day one. And so many cartoons premiere this week. It is like literally not funny. Most of them are completely unfunny. Most, uh, of, them, yeah. <laughs> Most of them, they don't make it out of their first season alive. Yeah. And I, 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 we did a show a while back uh, about the death of the Saturday morning cartoon. And I think this is partially responsible for that. Because instead of a bunch of fantastical stuff and whimsy and animation, it really kind of like started tying everything into brands. And with toys, that sort of makes sense. But like these are just celebrities. Flash in the pan celebrities. How was this supposed to create a legacy in animation? Shows like the New Kids on the Block show (laughs) or Kid and Play. Kid and Play, by the way, who I've, I've enjoyed in every medium but music. I, I couldn't tell you the name of a kid and play song, but I love class act and house party pajama jam. And uh, yeah, new kids on the block, Lil Rosie. Um, we did a laser time episode about Lil tunes and vanity projects about all the, all the awful cartoons that took celebrity vanity projects and made them little versions of themselves. And with the possible exception of things like life with uh, Louis. Um, wait, is that the name of Louis CK show? Little Louis, little Louis, the Louis Anderson show. Um, but to me, the absolute best instant hit with me, won me over. And I just remember talking about it the next day at school forever was Bobby's world and was my complete introduction to Howie Mandel had no idea who this fucker is, let alone as a 40 year old, why they would give him a contract to bring a cartoon to children who have never heard of him. But I found out later Howie Mandel, not unlike (laughs) Bill Cosby and fat Albert would do a character named Bobby on stage. He got the voice of Gizmo and Skeeter and the Muppet Babies and Bobby. He's made the joke. They all sound the same. He got three jobs out of one voice. But Bobby's world was like really funny. And the voice acting was really great. And I remember the second it sold me, Bobby uh, could, uh, he's the youngest in uh, a home of, with two siblings, uh, parents. It was the first time I heard a Midwestern accent. Howie Mandel (laughs) played a version of himself as Bobby's dad. And he would disappear into his imagination, sometimes drag his relatives in. And it was fantastical and neat and not something a lot of a lot of cartoons at that point were really bland, man. It, like thinking about the transition from Hanna-Barbera and Care Bears horseshit to really creative things like Bobby's World. And, and, and this is the first the first episode. I remember just like, I love this forever. They take themselves under the scene. I think they're going to do a giant Little Mermaid parody, but it's just this wonderful song I've never forgotten about what's special about being underwater. No matter how deep down in the water you sink, the beautiful thing is those fish don't stink. Rockin' where the fish don't stink, yeah. Fish don't stink. Underwater the fish don't stink. Not even 10-year-old gym socks? No. Even garbage trucks or broccoli? Not even that. So down here, mommies can't have fish. It's it's like skating the line of being subversive, but not too gross or controversial. But it 
I don't know. There was an honesty to Bobby's world that, like, I, I just I don't like anything else about how he meant to. <laughs> but I think Bobby's world is really pleasant. I believe you can catch up on it on Netflix if you must. But can I? Can we drag? Oh, in a a show I've never heard of called Gravedale High Debuts, a show starring Rick Moranis teaching uh, School of Monsters. Never heard of it, and then that sounds like the best show ever. Yeah, it's yeah. It, anything like uh, you might have to like. Yeah, if you if you're jonesing for Rick Moranis, he hasn't given you much in the last two decades. So I don't know. Let us know what you think. We do have a comment section on lasertimepodcast.com, thirty twenty ten podcast, the Facebook and the Facebook community. I love it when you guys help us out with some of your memories because like I'm head over here heels with tailspin and Bobby's world Gravedale high. You only got three channels, man. One TV in the house. It just I may have never seen it. I I am dumbstruck that this whole time I thought Lil Rosie was about Rosie O'Donnell and it's Lil it's Roseanne. Rose- oh, yeah, no, oh, Roseanne I Barr. I definitely thought it was a Rosie O'Donnell joint as well. It just makes more sense that way. Well, it makes sense now, but like Rosie O'Donnell's show then, is yeah. just starting. Uh, mm-hmm. Her talk show. So she's like just becoming a household name where Roseanne has a little too much power because like nobody liked this show and it got a primetime special anyway. Uh, where her and Tom Arnold, happily married forever, voiced these little versions of themselves. Disgusting. Ew. Um, yeah, I know. So moving into a, a scripted, te- not a script, a more adult fair, late at night, eight to, this seems like two different universes occurring on every single network. <laughs> uh, the Finelli Boys debuts. And the cast is is insane. <laughs> yeah, and the cast I, is insane. Uh, Ned Ned Eisenberg from uh, Sex and the City, mm-hmm. Joe Pantoliano, Christopher Maloney, Richard Libertini's in there. Yeah, and uh, Margaret Gilbert is 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 that like the Elvis and Margaret? Am I missing something? No, it's a different <laughs> Margaret. So so like I was like, wow, this sounds ridiculously Italian, and I find a clip of it like the Italian flag is in the logo of the show, <laughs> and it is not. I mean. Italians don't get, I'm Italian, hi, Chris Verantista. I, I don't speak for Italians. I don't know what it's like to be anything but a white bread American. But uh, yeah, there was, it's it's one of the last times uh, severe ethnic stereotypes took center stage in a show starring Italians on network television. Yeah. There was always the side ro- character who was like that, but not all of the characters. It's like the skate the state sketch about going down to the zoo and watching the monkeys do it, the show. <laughs> <laughs> and and you 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 have to like if you know who Christopher Maloney is you Law and Order heads you Wet Hot American Summer fans funny dude uh, good actor this is him talking and uh, yeah the, a lot of Italian Americans were not too fond of the stereotypes of the show okay we're four extremely handsome men yes, yes. women love us yes. yep we can do whatever we want yes who do we answer to oh, come on come on tough guys you're gonna be late. Saturday, the finale. The mothers walk by. Oh, these guys. And <laughs> she's got them by the guillemes. They can't do shit. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and this was canceled in like 13 episodes. But I had to mention it because I don't think we'll see a show starring Italians until the Sopranos debuts. <laughs> and this is tragic in more ways than one. Like, I love Kevin Meany. And I just I completely spaced on you know, this uh, wonderful comedian out of Boston. Took yep. on you know the- what I said when he died? <laughs> That's not right. That's not right. <laughs> you and your friends dying all the time at 60. That's <laughs> I love Kevin Meany. And he, this is, I, I like this clip. And speaking of, you know, controversies, it's hard to recognize. From the second this show started, uh, the Uncle Buck show based on the John Hughes, John Candy, for lack of a better word, Macaulay Culkin movie. This is his debut. Uh, this is a TV version based on that. 
It is instantly controversial, even though I don't remember the movie being controversial at all. That's a term we don't use in this house. You're right. I should have called him out Booger Ball. <laughs> Maisie. But he called me out Freckle Butt, and I don't have freckles on my butt. They're beauty marks. Maisie, can we put your butt on the back burner for just a sec? <laughs> back to the suck issue. Where the hell do you pick up language like that anyway? Uh... It, this is noted as the first time a show on network television said the word suck. And Whoa. and I'm like, The Simpsons, but like go on. It's it but in terms of like a non Fox live stream primetime television show, this is allegedly the debut and it took people like off guard. Like, yeah, I'll see that nice little movie with John Candy on my television set every week. Oh my God. Language I've never heard before. And this is in the first <laughs> second of the episode. <laughs> So there's that, and none of that can compare. Oh, wait, before we finish well, that, I did not realize we, we have a, a bridging of the, the generations here where, mm. on the one hand, Lacey Chabert is on the show as a little mm-hmm. kid, mm. and Audrey Meadows from The Honeymooners. Did I did I read that this, Holy crap. this might be Art Carney's final television performance? Um, <laughs> Art Carney. Pop up? Ralphie Boy, yeah, yeah, I believe. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a, guest, awesome. in a guest role. But it some it somehow seems like it somehow seems like one network kind of has an idea of where television is actually going on the tenth. Right up against mm. Uncle Buck, we had the debut of a significantly more famous program. Oh, you know it. You know what this is. Sing along, everybody. Story all about how my life got upside down. Took a minute, just sit right there. Tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bel Air. So I was. Oh my God! Please listen to my. Live from the Pool House episode, because I discussed my relationship with Will Smith. Uh, I, I won his CD at a fair <laughs> and uh, put it on. And, like, you know, I was already into to, into my rappy raps, my happy raps, my kid and plays, my MC Hammer. But, like, this dude was fucking funny. Mm-hmm. Will Smith mm-hmm. was really funny. When I saw those music videos, in the, I never saw them on MTV. And I saw them on, like, Sunday afternoons, like, somehow syndicated. I'd see these Fresh Prince videos, and I was captivated. So... This is an instant smash with all my friends, but like I had a fully formed opinion on Fresh Prince having no idea his name was Will Smith uh, and, and DJ Jazzy Jeff. I love this from the onset. I was so excited. I can't recommend Live from the Pool House enough. I mm-hmm. I know they go yeah. way more into the history and, uh, and of every episode, which is like a who's who of guest stars. But it like it, I don't. I think it's a phenomenon that kind of changes TV for the better. Oh yeah. Um, and and it's it's it introduces us to like the inimitable persona of will smith like from the if you love the intro to the show he's wearing that the entire episode like the (laughs) the the yellow striped shirt and the 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 blue biker cap as he's you 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 know what the song says oh i did grab uh have you ever heard the middle section of the song that is taken out after every subsequent episode no. Uh, it is so. There's a middle section. You all know this part. Started making trouble in my neighborhood. I got in one little fight and my mom got scared. I said you're moving with your auntie and uncle in Bel Air. I begged and pleaded with her day after day, but she packed my suitcase to send me on my way. She gave me a kiss and then she gave me my ticket. I put my Walkman on and said I might as well kick it. 
first class, yo, this is bad. Drinking <laughs> orange juice out of a champagne glass. Is this what the people of Bel Air living like? Hmm, this might be all right. I whistle for a cab. So no, you wow. cracked wannabes out there. He did not take a cab from Philadelphia to L.A. <laughs> That is not. Ha- I've seen so many people point that out. Like, no, there's a. God damn it, there's a missing lyric that's been there forever. You used to be able to buy this on CD. I loved Will Smith a lot, and this show was very, very much for me. And uh, I don't know, Sarah, you recently re- rediscovered a little bit of the, the loveliness that is Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I'm. I'm on an episode of Live from the Pool House as well with our friends TL and Sonia, and I. My relationship with Fresh Prince did not start until it was on for long enough to start airing on Nick at Night or TV Land. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, that's really when I came into it because, I mean, yeah, it's 1990. I'm five, so I'm really not watching (laughs) Prince of Bel-Air at this point. I'm also not watching a lot of cartoons. We're mainly just kind of a PBS family. That's pretty Mm. much it. But yeah, I mean, I have a huge amount of fondness in my heart for Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, especially as I started, you know, once I started catching on syndication, once I was much older and was able to get to a place to have 90s nostalgia, because, oh my gosh, does it scratch that itch. I mean, the actions, the, the decor of their house, I mean, it just like, it really does transport you in a way that's not like... <laughs> Look at us, look at how of the time we are. You know, it's like kind of watching a home video in a way because yeah, everyone dresses pretty normal, like, but definitely how normal people dressed in and the, the house's decor like, changes like, with this, like, at least three times right, to adapt yeah. to like modern modern style like that goes beyond like pure wealthiness right and yeah i mean everything is like hunter green and like garnet you know and their house (laughs) is like very very early 90s coloring and yeah it's great the guest stars that they pull on the show it's kind of amazing i mean the episode that i did with tl had tyra banks yeah i think shows up no i'm sorry naomi campbell and i'm on the sixth episode which which features don Sheedle. Which, mm-hmm. to me, and like I, I made that episode way too long, but like it, it talks about class and race in a really interesting way because Don Cheadle plays Will's friend from Philly, who like now all these Bel Air uh, African Americans like, dude, really get him out of here! Like, don't, we don't want our daughter falling for this guy. It's like it's it's and they, they don't really like they don't lay it on thick with that, but it's under the surface, and eventually, as the show goes on, like. It does talk about black issues in a different, in a way that no other show has done before. I mean, the Jeffersons did in a comedy, in, in a comedy fashion, but like mm-hmm. modern blackness is discussed on Fresh Prince of Bel Air in a mm-hmm. kind of a really honest way. And if you didn't know that, it's this the story of uh, music manager Benny Medina, who uh, who somehow got befriended somebody and got out of south central or something and ended up living with a white family in bel-air and they made a show out of that and through the course of bouncing it around i'm like we've already seen this show before like what if the family is black and will smith fish out of water rubs up against the black family like no one's seen anything like that before i know it's more about class than race Mm -hmm. now yeah yeah And, and like in it it does it's those episodes are rare but there are there's some heavy shit on fresh prince and 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 with all its with all its sugar, there's a little bit of medicine in there, and it's absolutely wonderful. And the story of uh, Will Smith, I, yeah, there's a YouTube channel or a Facebook show, and I know I've caught this clip a thousand times where he talks about like how he he got the show because he had no interest in anything like that. But uh, he was so young, he had not heard about paying his taxes, 
and <laughs> and didn't for several years. So he's like, yeah, I'm I'm riding the bus and being recognized by a lot of people, and I have nothing. And I, Quincy Jones came at him like, we think you should be the star of the show, and like really just threw him like he had to audition for an NBC executive on the spot, it signed like. Not in an office. I think he said, like, in a limo at a nightclub somewhere. Just like, fine, let's see if this goes. And it would go for 150 episodes, six seasons. And my life was, like, first-run episodes of Fresh Prince once a week into syndication until I was in, like, my – until I was, like, 25. And then the show, like, disappeared for me because it it became impossible to watch. Thank you, HBO Max, who just announced a Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reunion, which is the weirdest sentence I've ever heard – I've said in my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, show you didn't air HBO <laughs> anyway. But uh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I'm also on Live from the Pool House. Mm-hmm. I, I'm on an episode oh. that turns out is the acting debut of Queen Latifah. Someone we have stand pretty hard on this show over time. Mm-hmm. And I, I dropped in far too few Philly references for my liking. <laughs> like I I like to bring them in thick because Will Smith went to the same high school as my grandma. So <laughs> Oh, It'd be pretty awesome. fun if they were there at the same time. But yeah. no, um, he's not that old. But yeah, this one, like I dropped in and out. Like anytime I watched it, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. But I just never came around to making it appointment viewing. I think it's, it was on Mondays, I want to say. And so I don't know why that just didn't. You're right. It was on Mondays. <laughs> Did I don't remember if it was up against something I watched. Maybe Murphy Brown. I don't know. Um, wow. I th- I'm remembering schedules yeah. now. You're confused. Yes. Oh my God. That's when I, I think my mother had to buy her own television so she could watch Murphy Brown a little 13 incher for the bedroom. I should look that up. I mean, besides just getting the debuts, we should actually like pull the schedules once the schedules get set. So we can be like, yep, this is what my Tuesday was. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, when you think about it starting in 1990 and running six seasons, it ends right before Independence Day comes out. Yeah. Yeah. That, That is the runway to the launch. Yeah. So, yeah. And in between there, I have to give a shout out to Six Degrees of Separation right in the middle there. Showing, oh, shit, Will Smith can act like a motherfucker. Damn, he's good in that movie. Will Smith is undeniable. Mm -hmm. Like, just the amount of talent he has. And he's still making great stuff. I mean, I I loved Bad Boys for Life. Mm -hmm. And Sam and I actually just rented from the library Jump. Gemini Man, mm. which I also recommend watching because it is kind of like watching Will Smith fight the Fresh Prince of Bel Air in hand to hand combat, <laughs> which is kind of interesting to see because he's like supposed to be fighting a younger self, like Looper, kind of. But yeah, I mean, he's still going. I, I'm, I'm a fan. Yeah, but every like, I, and I also can't say enough nice things about the the, the rest of the cast of Fresh Prince of Bel Air, from yeah. Alfonso Ribeiro's Carlton. Um, to, so to Ashley, to Hillary, like the, to the parents, which are like dad's Bel Air, stern Republican and Uncle Phil. But Aunt Viv still has like activist shit in her past that she doesn't really want to let go and has to get him to remember confronting modern black problems. And with a character like Carlton, who like seemingly has no idea who he is <laughs> and, and is just, again, some of the best physical comedy and like. Really like it's really like a, a what would you call it? I don't want to call it low comedy, but like broad comedy on yeah. television with mm-hmm. both of those guys. Um, always know when to yell. <laughs> yeah, it's broad, but it's not insulting. It mm-hmm. never really talks down to the audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everyone on the cast has 
such great chemistry with each other. Yeah. Like every individual relationship between the two, the characters, I just feel, it feels real. It feels like a real family and they really do have great chemistry, it's, especially between uncle Phil and aunt Viv. It's the last show. Which I, aunt I, Viv are we talking though? Uh, no, that's true. I the the original, that. like that woman is beautiful. <laughs> Sorry. I had a huge <laughs> crunch on aunt Viv. I never accepted the second one. Um, but I mean, let's not forget the last show I think I ever saw with like a believable butler, uh, <laughs> Jeffrey. I, I, I hope he got paid the same what as everybody else. What about the nanny? Else. Uh, was it, oh, with the little kid eventually? I forget that. I remember stopping watching around then when that little kid sh- goes from being a baby to a seven-year-old in between, over the summer. Um, oh, I hate when they do that. Yeah. Uh, but Fresh Prince, baby, check it out exclusively on HBO Max. I know they just cut off my subscription, so I probably won't. Uh, and then we told you we get to it. The VMAs hosted by Arsenio Hall. Is this the first one? No, not even close. It's been long for a, been around for a while. Got to say, I, I caught like a very tiny glimpse of the VMAs this year, and all all entertainment has been weird in COVID. But to try and pull off an award show was just like this. Seems like Big Brother is doing this to me, and like it's all fixed. How yeah. is every person just happened to be walking out of something to win an award when they didn't? Whatever, like it, it with fake applause. Like I, I feel like I'm being, I feel like I'm in the Truman Show watching <laughs> the VMAs during COVID. Um, uh, and but yes, we have Arsenio Hall hosting this year. Is this is, this is not the first one. No, no. we no. told you they've had them back well into the early '80s. They they had these for a while. I know, mm-hmm. but Baby Boy wasn't paying attention. Well, then it didn't. It still happened even if you weren't watching. <laughs> I just but can it never does remember. Have, I mean, come on. You know it has to go back to Like a Virgin because of my Madonna per- performance. And again, yeah. we have a fucking iconic Madonna performance out of mm. this one mm-hmm. where she does Vogue dressed in all the French reason she stuffed that they borrowed from Dangerous Liaisons. Wow. This is so yeah. crazy. Those costumes it, were amazing. We Let's talk about the nominations, the winners, but I'm sorry. I just want to just skip to what my favorite fact from this is that best direction of in, in a video um, – Category, three out of the four nominations are David Fincher. And he wins for <laughs> wow. Vogue, of course. But yeah, that he because he directed Janie's Got a Gun, The End of Innocence, and Vogue. I, I like that uh, for oh best God. group video, Tears for Fears, Red Hot Chili Peppers, and Aerosmith lose to the clearly superior the B-52's Love Shack. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a great video. And it just, it just seems oh. odd for... Really, Red Hot Chili Peppers and Tears for Fears were up for the same award. I don't remember the overlap. I really don't. Yeah. <laughs> but I love that video of the year, Sinead O'Connor's Nothing Compares to You. Mm-hmm. It's so it's so good, and it's so mm-hmm. straightforward, and it's like I mean, just so her singing in the camera, what right? what it is. Is she just singing in the camera? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, which is weird comparing it to Janie's Got a Gun and Vogue, which both have, like, story and production values mm-hmm. and are, like, kind of little mini movies i can't Mm -hmm. tell if what's more pathetic my knowledge of rap at this point or mtv's best rap videos mc hammer you can't touch this digital uh, losing uh, losing is digital underground uh the humpty dance bismarcky's just a friend and young mc principal's office those were the only rap things i was aware of at all (laughs) like that is and young mc i think is in there like I've never heard of Principal's Office. I think you just knew this. People would know who he is because of Bust a Move last year. Mm. And uh, this is all very strange to look it's at. A really strong choreography. 
category with Rhythm Nation winning, of course. Mm. But, I mean, in there you also have Opposites of Tract, which should get an honorable mention for having to dance with a cartoon, MC Scat Cat, (laughs) who I had a huge crush on. And then Vogue, (laughs) and you can't touch this. This is all extremely strong choreography year. It's pretty impressive. But I love also that the best new artist in a video goes to Michael Penn singing No Myth, which we just talked about like a couple weeks ago in 2000 for the movie Loser. It's like one of the main songs from that movie. That's how I know about No Myth. Dang. Yeah. Wow. So uh, yeah, Michael Penn, who I I do like Michael Penn, but he beat Belle DeVoe, Black Crow, Black Crow's Lenny Kravitz, Elena Miles, Lisa Stansfield, and Jane Child. Uh, Most of them have had bigger careers than Michael Mm -hmm. Penn. (laughs) I haven't heard of three of those people, but good on him. Michael Penn seems like the type he went on to like compose or something, you know, like mm-hmm. I feel like maybe he did film scores later on. That's, he just seems like the type to me. Um, yeah. But, I, thought it, I thought his yeah. biggest hit came from a film. I can't remember what it was, but I know what you're saying. I know what, what a saying. really fun year though. Like I, I love that uh best special effects in there. We've got Billy Joel's. We didn't start the fire. What? Also <laughs> nominated for best art direction was we didn't start the fire. As well. All stock footage. What special effects? Yeah. The fire. He's like sitting in like a surrounded by fire. Yeah. It can't be real. He's in a house on fire, but like most yeah. of it is like yeah. stock footage. Yeah, sorry. I think. I, it's been a while since I've watched it. No, I disagree. <laughs> I'm sorry, MTV movie or video music awards from 30 years ago. I have a complaint. <laughs> Best, oh, well, why? What did it lose to? Yeah, it just shouldn't be nominated. How did it? How did it? How do you win Best Special Effects over Opposites Tracked? That's just yeah, crazy. I, know. I don't know. <laughs> I agree. I mean, MC Scat Cat should have gotten something. Yeah, everything else in here is just like dancing and editing. Like that shit was crazy. <laughs> I could probably you could put that on for me right now after a drink or two, and I just watch the whole thing. I love opposite track MC it's Scat Cat for life. But that is about it for television. Even though that was a lot. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna skip the games this week, but we will go way more in depth into the weirdo uh, arcade obscurities and NES release dates that are not really well-defined, but I do a little more research for the 302010 Game Show at patreon.com slash lasertime, executive produced this week by uh, Kevin Kittredge, by the way, and many other fine patrons at patreon.com slash lasertime. Thank you, Kev. Uh, Music of 1990, September 4th to the 10th. We've got new releases, Two Fires by uh, Jimmy Barnes, uh, Listen Without Prejudice, Volume 1 by George Michael, Uh, Painkiller by Judas Priest, the self-titled debut of the Rembrandts, uh, the Neighborhood by Los Lobos, uh, and Rumor Has It by Reba McIntyre. Blaze of Glory by John Bon Jovi is number one. And Diana, what are we closing out with? Well, I thought we close out with, I mean, it's a tough call because Listen Without Prejudice, Volume 1 by George Michael has a couple great songs on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Freedom 90, which turns out never made it to number one, which I am shocked by. Fucking travesty. Like... Freedom what? 90 is so good. <laughs> I yeah. just love it so much. It's just an amazing song. It's another one that's got an amazing video. I'm going to guess yep. David Fincher on that one. It was. That's the David just, Fincher joint. Just based on the look of it. Mm-hmm. It was. Uh, so I think we're going to close the show with that because, God, I love that song. But we also have Fancy by Reba McIntyre, which is one of the best songs about pimping your own daughter that's ever been written. Wow. Okay. I love Reba. I'm so fancy. I don't know the song at all, but I can't wait to hear it in the break because I'm so excited to get into the year 2000 because there are two movies in there that like mildly disturbed me and I wanted to be one of my go-tos forever and they, they kind of did me wrong and I can't wait to tell you about them. So stay right there. Take us out, Reba. She said, here's your chance, fancy, don't let me down. 
Oh, uh, serenading you with a leather outfit. It's Rough Ends with No More. It's on the charts this week, even though little Christopher has never heard of it. Rough Ends, ladies and gentlemen. Tell us about it, the comments. Tell them how much they mean to you. <laughs> Tell us why he, they didn't get an NBC sitcom about them. Uh, rough Ends. Mm. Some other new releases for September 4th to the 10th in the year 2000, which we have officially arrived at. We have uh, Odyssey Number no. 5 by Powderfinger, uh, self-titled album from Evan and Jaron, Heartbreak by Ryan Adams. Ugh, I hated this. Uh, Machinima, what? Machina 2, The Friends and Enemies of Modern Music by Smashing Machina? Pumpkins. Machina. Uh, fuck, I forget their other album titles. So stupid and pretentious. Uh, the Paper Route by Mac 10. Trapped in Crime by Sea Murder, which is also the HBO Max profile I use on my dad's account. Uh, and, and Felt Mountain by Goldfrap. Doesn't really matter by Janet Jackson. It's still number one. Thank you, Janet. You know, a uh, little bit of news. I'll just shove that in here. Because it's it's game related, but uh, you know we only have like one new release, so why not? SegaNet officially launches this week, which brings for the first time I believe ever out of the box a console goes online. Uh, Twenty Ooh. years ago this week with the Sega Dreamcast, and I was there day one, and it did not work even slightly. Oh, it was, no. it did, <laughs> and I, I I say that, but then like you know we'll, we'll probably talk about it more in depth. I couldn't figure out what to do because I I have a feeling like having only like connected to the internet through maybe America Online and Prodigy at this point, I didn't know what it was asking me. Mm. I, I like <laughs> yeah. filter servers. Like, what are you talking about? Who's serving me? What, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, I would probably feel the same way. Like, but how does the internet get in it? Yeah, I, like, like I, how I, do I put the internet into this thing? If I'm being honest, I can't say that it was broken because I'd never been in a multiplayer lobby before. I, I don't know what that would have looked like. I wouldn't know how to connect to the internet. I wouldn't know how to check and see if it was working. But it, it is very ambitious of Sega. There was third-party devices that you could stick into your Super Nintendo and Sega, and Sega had a really expensive way to use your Comcast and play stuff through there. But like, no one had said something like right out of the box, and it didn't cost you any extra in the beginning. And it had a weird Windows disc that it came with. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the that'll have to suffice for the news. But let's jump into the movies of 2000, uh, September 4th through the 10th. This is, damn it, this is the only one I meant to watch this week. My Five Why? Wives. Be you, no one told me there was a movie with Rodney Dangerfield and Andrew Dice Clay where they True. may be married to multiple people. That sounds like <laughs> a fucking train wreck. I, I gotta yeah, see this. It is. I That's gotta what see this. Everyone says, even fans of Rodney, and I, I am a fan, have all said, no, no, this is bad. This is no good. I, I'm a fan of like all Rodney Dangerfield performances because it's, as a dude who became famous when he was like 50, every appearance of him is like, this man is incompatible with human life. <laughs> hey, somebody fuck me. I'm going to insult everybody in the room and still win at the end of this movie. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, we're all going to get laid as we watch Turn It Up with Ja Rule, Praz, Faith Evans, and Jason Statham. I don't remember Jason Statham popping up this. Or I was in Snatch last week. My bad. Yeah. And Besides that. Um, yeah, <clears throat> I found so little about this. It might have gone straight to video, mm. but all I could found all I could find was like every website. Its description was like it. It is a hood crime movie. And I'm like, oh. what the fuck does that mean? It's uh, it's 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 the I'm about it period. That that shit was all over the place. And yeah, we had to you had to pay thirty dollars at Sam Goody to see it for the, just for the privilege. And the, and this is the, the the next movie is the one I lined up to see day one. Mm -hmm. And um, 
it's the it's the follow up. I, I thought it was the follow up to Usual Suspects. It's not the follow up of Brian Singer. It's the writer of Usual Suspects, uh, Christopher McCrary, right. um, and it, it's his directorial debut from his own script. And it is like I don't know, kind of one of the bleakest movies I've ever seen. And I <laughs> I wouldn't. Um, let me see if we let me see the trailer tells you anything. Uh, Jeffrey Lewis, Nikki Cat, Tay Diggs, Juliet Lewis, James Con, Ryan Phillippe, and Benicio del Toro. Way the way of the gun. Good Lord. For the record, I'll call myself Mr. Parker. My associate will be Mr. Longbow. At some point, it became clear to us that our path had been chosen, and we had nothing to offer the world. So we stepped off the path and went looking for the fortune that we knew was looking for us. And here was the thing. The longest distance between two points is a kidnapper and his money. But we were through jerking around. You remember, like, the marketing of this movie letting me down so much. This one sucks because <laughs> it has Limb Biscuit in it. The other one sucks, like, it marketed as a lighthearted comedy or, like, a hitman comedy, which Ew. it is not. It is not at all. Uh, I but know this th- is Christopher McQuarrie. He's our Mishpas guy he now, is. right? He is. He is. Okay. He is. He is directing pretty much anything Tom Cruise is going to do now. He did Jack Reacher. He did uh, right. Mission Impossible Rogue Nation Fallout. Yeah, he's written. He wrote Edge of Tomorrow. He wrote Top Gun Maverick yep. whenever we get to see that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, yeah. He, I think he might. I think they might be seeing one another. I'll just say it. But I'm okay <laughs> with that. Yep. Uh, I, and I'm, I'm not sure why because, but like, you know, I had, I, this is the one I ended up reading the most about because like, why would you intentionally set out to make a movie like this with like z- literally no heroes and not in that mm. cute kind of way like, uh, I'm Dan Aykroyd and I just happen to pull hits in my spare time. Like, no, everybody here is the worst. Like really, really bad. And the movie sets a tone. And I was, I think I was talking to Sarah and Sam about that last night, just because like our roommate, I can talk shit about because he's he's dead. Uh, he would occasionally like pull up like insane sequences and be like, oh, fuck, did you see that shit? This movie opens with Ryan Phillippe, just like uh, Sarah Silverman is talking shit to him. Like my boyfriend will kick your ass. And she walks up to him and Ryan Phillippe just breaks her nose and everyone jumps him and Benicio Del Toro. And it's really one of like the, I don't know. It's it's not a timeless scene at all. <laughs> and and, the, and it, the comedy is played for like, ah, shit, he broke Sarah Silverman's nose because she's talking shit. And my roommate would play that over and over again. And that's my uncomfortable memory of the movie and not the rest of it. Because the rest of it is like kind of like nothing else I've ever seen. And Yeah, it, it's, it's often very mean-spirited. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I kind of felt like the tone does sort of flop around a little bit, but it's mostly very dark. Because it's about these two gangster types who kidnap Juliette Lewis, who is a surrogate, the the surrogate mother for, you know, this mobster's baby. Mm-hmm. For a mobster that, millionaire. And yeah. It becomes... and that's that's the basic thing. And then James Conn is like his right hand man who's trying to get her back. And he is so good in this. Yeah. yeah. Like he's giving a better performance than I feel like the movie almost deserves. Yeah. And it, um, it's one of my yeah. favorite performances from him, period. Especially yeah. during this stage of his career. The bottle rocket days. And uh, I, 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 and so the, well, the first scene left a bad taste in my mouth. I believe Sarah Silverman is credited as raving bitch to this day. And, <laughs> and, 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 uh, in the, in the credits, you can look it up on IMDb and her boyfriend is played, uh, is, his character's name is P whipped. And, <laughs> but I, McQuarrie said he was like intentionally, like I would, I just wanted to like, I had heat on me and I didn't want to work on other people's shit. And I just wanted to see like, what if I can like, you know, break every friendly taboo you're supposed to write for likable characters. Not unlike the way they, you know, went about making Seinfeld, like just not a moral thing. 
let's see if we can break some of the rules here and make something interesting. And as a result, it is interesting, but it's definitely not for everybody. But mm. it, it is it is bleak and sour, and I kind of loved it. And that's I hate Limp Biscuit being on the soundtrack. The score is one of my favorite things about it. Huh. It's really wonderful. Uh, you can check this out free on Tubi and uh, Amazon Prime. The Tubi one was out of sync for me, but so I recommend Aww. the Amazon Prime version. I really ended up enjoying this. Uh, some really sinister fucking performances. Some really mm. dire shit happening here. When the kidnappers go to kidnap Juliette Lewis, who is like not like eight months and three weeks and four days pregnant, uh, they they have their guns focused on the kidnappers. And then like like she'll never get out of here alive. And then they just both of her bodyguards point the guns down at her stomach. Like we will kill this mm. baby before we let you take her out of here. Before we let you win. <laughs> And it's it's yeah. it's sinister, man. It's some real bleak shit. But uh, it's I would say there's nothing else like it. But I remember feeling very similar to another movie that came out this week, which I was also mm. very there for. Yeah, mm. it's it's weird that we have this back to back with Snatch, and that Snatch is also about criminals and double crossing each other. But it, in the end, is kind of feels a lot lighter, and this mm. is, feels like. <laughs> we're, we're heading more into Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer territory <laughs> of like this is it's not wacky hitmen on the run so much as it is just yeah despicable thing and apparently he toned down the script originally it was even more unlikable wow yeah, yeah there's something still I think ruthlessly unlikable about Nurse Betty which mm. which I, I just because it's also like a Dude, this movie bounces between tones all the time. Way oh, of the Gun. Oh, my God, yes. Way of the Gun is incredibly consistent. Oh, and I didn't know that, like, uh, uh, McQuarrie's brother is a SEAL agent. And I was even remarking, not noticing things like this now, like, man, these guys look remarkably proficient. And, like, yeah, they're, like, they're, like, trained. All the gunfights occur in a very tactical way you wouldn't assume from characters this dirty and grimy. But watch how they clear a room if you feel like watching it. It's kind of interesting. I was like, what? This is remarkably composed for people who are just clearly gritty criminals. They don't have their finger on the trigger when they're not sure they're going to fire. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's really crazy. Anyway, but but Nurse Betty with a, in, like at the at this time the cast like had me immediately. Greg Kinnear, Chris Rock, Morgan Freeman, and Renee Zellweger. Nurse Betty! The woman who's chasing her dream. How are you gonna find him? I'll go to the hospital. While everyone else is chasing her. So what they say? Find her. Finish the job we were paid to do. This fall, this woman is on the run. Comes a chase like no other. Stupid is taking what doesn't belong to you. You are in serious danger. A romance like no other. Do I know you? Silly, it's me. We were engaged. Forgot all about Crispin Glover being this. <laughs> yeah. Aaron Eckhart, Kristen, Crispin Glover, Allison Janney, all kinds of other people are just, yeah, I don't know how I feel about Nurse Betty I, because like, I like so much of it as sort of like a weird female version of being there. Yeah. Wow. Diane. And, oh, and then so much movie. of the time, I really don't like it. I, I think I it's, it's not at all about Steve levels, but like a... a I don't know, like, when, even reading the synopsis of it over again, like, is this, like, 70 different movies? Like, <laughs> a, a, a nurse, no, sorry, a waitress and wife of a car, a shady car salesman who's obsessed with soap operas, witnesses Chris Rock pulling his scalp off, leaves to a fantasy world where she thinks she's a part of her favorite soap opera, takes the car with the drugs in it and drives to L.A. so she can rejoin with Greg Kinnear, the soap opera actor, the hitmen follow her, yet she somehow charms her way as a not well person into a part on the show and then yeah. loses it and then gets it again. <laughs> and, yeah. 
Meanwhile, all this real dark shit is happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That scene uh, where they, they kill her husband. I mean, I guess the point is it has to be shocking to send her into this crazy fugue state, but oh my God. <laughs> and then Morgan Freeman ends up becoming in love with her. Yeah. And and the the script isn't very clear about that. Are you being like, and I think the, the ending is the thing I found the most fucking jarring. If I could, I'm, I don't care about spoiling Nurse Betty. Should I not spoil it? You tell me that. Nah, spoil it. Okay. Go for it. So, because like the whole time, like Chris Rock and Morgan Freeman are just like, it's like every fucking Hitman movie. You're being a little bitch. I cannot believe this is the kill. That's like, there's just patter. And, you know, like these guys have clearly been working together for a really long time. He's giving him shit about falling for Nurse Betty. And like, is he becoming more paternal? But then at the very end, Sheriff Burson shoots Chris Rock. And Chris Rock, in a not funny, like very painful way, reaches for Morgan Freeman and yells, Daddy! And reveals that Morgan Freeman has been his dad the whole time and then dies oh. in front of him and Morgan Freeman commits suicide in the bathroom. Like, Oh my God. Yeah, it's like, like I can't, I thought this was a comedy. This, yeah. <laughs> that a, is. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, it's wandered in from some other movie. <laughs> Look at the poster and, and, and tell me you thought it would end like that. <laughs> that is bleak. Yeah, and like, it, yeah, Chris Rock covered in blood, screaming "Daddy" before dying instantly. <laughs> wow. And, yeah. And, yeah. I just well, uh, can I just blame Neil Lebute? <laughs> I like to blame him for things. He directed this, and he hates women. Maybe he hates <laughs> black people too. I don't know. But um, yeah, oh. besides that stuff, though, which just it just doesn't really need to be there because mm-hmm. the idea of her just thinking that this show is real and that she is a part of it mm-hmm. like that's fun like i said that's like being there or something where she ends up you know she's got a crush on greg kinnear's character and can't tell the difference between fiction and reality and when she finally does meet greg kinnear he thinks that she's like auditioning for a part on the show and that she's just very method and she's just committed to this bit <laughs> instead of realizing this lady is fucking nuts yeah <laughs> and then maybe can consider falling for and like Everything in this movie is ridiculous. And <laughs> yeah, it's like that whole thing. Like, oh, that is fun and weird. And you could do so many interesting things about our ideas of reality and getting them from our media and whatever. But it's a, uh, mm. ha. <laughs> 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 I would love to see somebody with a positive comment on this because I, I, this is man, I, I, I still love that tweet. Uh, with a, I'm pretty sure it was a woman who's like, wasn't there some rule that in two thousands men had to spend uh. <laughs> five six of their budget on dvds like i just yeah. i bought this on dvd site unseen like well i wanted to see it i'll just own it forever and then you have to like watch it like three or four times where you realize ah shit i shouldn't have spent 20 bucks on this probably <laughs> yeah. still in my garage somewhere it's definitely one of those movies that i would always see like in the five dollar shelf at target I, I think if you judge it on its cover or even the description on the back it's pretty deceptive like this yeah. uh but but maybe not as much as way of the gun i don't know way, way of the gun is definitely I think a very well-made, a confident film. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas Nurse Betty, like this is this is all over the place. Like none of this matches up. Uh, yeah. something. And I'm sure that here. works for some people. Mm-hmm. I know some people they really like those whips in in, in tone. They mm-hmm. think that 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 makes it a darker comedy, and it's like dark comedy doesn't just have to mean people die. Right. <laughs> That's true. Uh, that is true, but uh, but this is also weird because I I I pay more attention to movies in my entire life. 
I have never heard of this movie, and it's number one at the box office. Really? Yeah. Oh, fascinating. James Spader, Keanu Reeves, um, Marissa Tomei, Owatu, the Watcher, without the Owatu. He's looking for certain qualities in a woman. This will be fun. Attractive. You're very pretty. Single. Perfect. And dying to meet someone. We attributed at least 11 homicides to him. James Spader. I gotta make it. Marissa Tomei. Keanu Reeves. The Watcher. Rated R. Can't handle this. The cover I remember. Holy shit. Huh. I had no idea that was Keanu Reeves. And I don't want to watch him be a bad guy after Bill and Ted faced the music. One of the most wonderful, joyous things I've seen in a very, very long time. Uh, so this stands out uh, in Keanu's filmography mm-hmm. as being... the. Probably the worst bad guy he's ever played. He's very rarely played bad guys. Mm-hmm. And this is definitely it. And there is a reason. He didn't actually sign up to do this movie. What? His friend forged his signature mm-hmm. on the contract. Whoa. And Keanu, being a nice guy, thought, well, suing and getting out of it would be so much of a hassle. I guess I'll just do it. Just don't do it again, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> So he did the movie and the deal was, I'm not going to tell anyone that I actually didn't sign up for this for at least a year after it comes out, wow. but I don't want to do any press at all. And they said, oh, that sounds fair. What? <laughs> was his what? friend pranking him? <laughs> what? what the fuck? <laughs> but I'll show up and film your movie. I just I just don't want to have to promote it, too. And they're I, like, oh, okay. God, did somebody record that meeting? Like, I don't want to be a fly in the ointment here, but I... <laughs> I think this movie's terrible and I don't want any part of it, but I want to honor my commitment of my friend. <laughs> I know, this might be one of the weirdest stories I have ever heard. <laughs> he wouldn't just be like, no, that's fraud. Mm-hmm. I didn't sign that. Are we good here? Friend, <laughs> no, friend okay, is a friend. I guess I'll do it. <laughs> Whoa, that's how he responded. I, have, yeah. I haven't seen this at all. I, I can't even believe this is number one because like, I was pretty on top of this shit at the time, but something of this must it must have been very poorly reviewed it really was it's got some weak ass reviews i mean mostly it's about james spader cop on the edge who's going after the serial killer mm, who, yeah always love that shit but you know and then the serial killer starts you know taunting him specifically and it's keanu which then they, they built up the role because like well fuck now we have keanu for like next to nothing so we might as well use him more which is like that's not cool dude that's not cool yeah, he already said yes to something he didn't actually have to do. Don't make him do more of it. <laughs> wow. And, yeah, and just the reviews are like, this is just pretty standard crazy serial killer bullshit. Yeah. Yes. As it's so, it looks, uh, and I'm glad I missed it. <laughs> and, yep. And I feel, you know, goddamn, I feel like I'm missing. Hopefully some of these award shows will pick back up because I'm supposed to be the cartoon guy as much as I talked about in the last segment, but I'm, I'm 20 years old at this point, moving out of my parents' house. Maybe I don't have cable. I do believe Sarah was at Jackie Chan Adventures. I didn't have the WB. We Our town didn't have it. So like everything that aired there, I don't. I never saw. Nor did I see Jackie Chan Adventures starring Jackie Chan. <laughs> a, Which or, is just a weird little artifact. It went for five seasons. Yeah, man. Jackie Chan had that star power. They had a really good kids block. And um, I think I've heard people call it fake anime or Western anime. And it, But it looked like those cool cartoons. You couldn't really see anybody else with the guy you knew. Well, and it was a mix between um, live action and animation. Was it? See, don't, yes. don't, don't even know. Don't even know. And, uh, and Teacher's Pet debuts a 
show starring Nathan Lane as a dog who follows his owner to school. His teacher's also his mother, and that's it has two seasons, 30 episodes, and somehow got a theatrically released movie and has like good reviews all around. It's just like, I have no idea how to see this. I have no, I have no idea to catch up on Teacher's Pet. So let it please help us out with Teacher's Pet. I want someone to sell me on trying, wanting to watch this. Mm. Um, TV in the 2000 also included two big award shows. Which ones? Mm-hmm. At, this, at this point, the VMAs were way more important to me than the Emmys, and I was guaranteed to watch that. But uh, yeah, which one do you want to start with? Like maybe the VMAs, since they were they were yeah. firstish, and yeah. they're, they're movies, so they're going to honor the movies of two thousand, hosted by Sean and Marlon Wayans, I believe. No, the no, video it's, music awards. It's video. Again. Oh, it's the video music awards. My bad. Yeah. Um, my bad. Oh, so they're hosting because of scary movies. But this is another really iconic performance. This is Britney Spears in the nude. Jump bodysuit, basically I, doing "Oops, I Did It Again" and "Satisfaction," which was <sighs> titillating. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean it is fantastic. It's I had so to go good. double check. I'm like, okay, wait, because all I saw was iconic Britney Spears moment, and I thought, oh, with the snake? Nope, that's next yeah. year. This yeah. is she's basically naked. Yeah, okay. I, ooh, I do. Dancing I definitely remember this. Is so good. She is so unbelievably talented and this performance is absolutely one of the best live performances i've seen on the vmas i mean i remember re-watching this like with friends like when i went to college like three years later basically mm-hmm. like do you guys remember this it was amazing so yeah i would definitely recommend looking it up and also <laughs> free britney because <laughs> that lady's been through enough yeah uh, I'm just reading. It's for the second year in a row. DMX did not show up for a scheduled performance. Oh God, DMX! <laughs> he, I, that what was that documentary that it's about? A bunch of rappers on tour. DMX is one of them. And like, yeah, the show's about to start. Does anybody know where D is? And then it like, it like cuts to like he's out in the country alone racing RC cars and just doesn't <laughs> give a shit. And and I think there's a reason why he's not still doing stuff today. Like made his money, doesn't give a shit. And uh, trying to remember if I can remember anything else from this other than like uh, this is the one too with all the uh, Eminem clones. Oh, yes, okay, that was disturbing to me. I have a natural feel of like as a Jew, I have just a fear of a whole bunch of blonde people all marching together. Yeah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. makes me uncomfortable. Uh, And as an Italian, I have a fear of jokes about Macy Gray's pubic hair. But the Wayans went there, and and I definitely remember that. Well, this is also, and sad news, this is Aaliyah's last appearance. No shit. Yeah, which she won um, for Best Female Video and Best Video from a film for Try Again, which is a great song from Romeo Must Die. Right. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, right, yeah. okay. Uh, was she with or without sunglasses? I can't picture without sunglasses. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> uh, how did Bjork get breakthrough video in 2000? How's that possible? Just say foreign video. Yeah, good point. <laughs> you pop love on MTV, but uh, over on the Emmys, Emmys, there's a bunch of awards happening that you might agree with. Uh, the ceremony is hosted by Gary Shandling. I oh. love Gary oh. Shandling. R.I.P. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, most nominations, The Sopranos, The West Wing, takes a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Including yeah, well, we're we're talking what first season West Wing. Oh yeah, yeah, or I guess it's so. just on fire. So yeah, I it for- won nine awards Damn. that year, which was a record that was stayed in place until Game of Thrones came along. Wow, wow. 
Uh, uh, James Gandolfini won for Outstanding Lead Actor. That makes me happy. Yeah. That makes me happy. In a drama, Michael J. Mm-hmm. Fox takes it in a comedy. And Jack Lemmon gets to show up just to win an award for Tuesdays with Ma Ring. Yeah. And, and, uh, and this is the first time that Bravo's nominated. Is it really? Oh. Yeah. I think it was for like a special performance yeah, or something. Not for any of their shows, but still. 20 years ago, HBO was the sole outlier to network dominance. And it was mm-hmm. funny to watch them just pummel these people by making quality <laughs> shit and not having to bend the commercials. And now mm-hmm. it's, I can't even imagine watching it now. Like I didn't, I didn't watch Crackle at all this year. I don't know what this is. I, t- <laughs> I, was, I was really happy to see too for guest performances. Bruce Willis won for his uh, performance on Friends, mm. and mm-hmm. then Gene Smart won for her performance on Frasier. And those are both hey. really great, like great turns for both of them on both of those like humongous network shows that are kind of in the peak of their powers at this point. It's just they both did a really good job with that. And damn, it just it looks like Will and Grace just dominated almost every category though for comedy stuff and just like west wing dominated drama jeez except for writing that went to the malcolm in the middle pilot holy shit (laughs) outstanding writing in a comedy series yeah good for them beating out freaks and geeks sadly but it's all good freaks and geeks pilot i did not think about those shows premiering the same year wow yeah yep and uh moving you into into video games second at launches you can play games online uh NFL 2K1 becomes the first game you can play online. A really solid, a really solid uh, NFL game from Sega that eventually got the ESPN license and became so good. Uh, the Madden series bought up the NFL license exclusively, obliterating all their competition forever after. So Whoa. no one else could ever use the NFL to make a game <laughs> to make a game again. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like it, it's such a sad story because like they, it's such an underhanded thing to do. But uh, the NFL 2K series was like, uh, for me, I didn't play it much, but I was in a dorm. And I'm like, I do like this. I don't understand what's going on, Madden. I, I get what's happening here. This can be as deep as I want it to be. But the first football mm-hmm. to game to, uh, to go online on a console, neat. And let's close out the 2000s, September 4th to the 10th, with Crazy for This Girl by Evan and Jaron, a song Diana assures me people have heard. <laughs> yeah, it's, we're, we're in this period where it's like, I don't know this song. Skip to the middle of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And honestly, there are like two kinds of songs right now. That's true. For 2000. <laughs> and this is one of them. Yeah. yeah. All right. We'll be right back with 2010, everyone. Stay right there. Would you look at her? She looks at me. She's got me thinking about it constantly. But she don't know how I feel. You know she carries on without a doubt. I wonder if she's figured out I'm crazy for this girl. Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of September 4th through 10th, uh, we've got another one of these where it's like, God damn, there's just everyone get out of the way because there is one clear choice. And Sarah and I talk a lot about gay canon films on this program. And we need to talk about what might be the mama of all gay canon films. 1950, celebrating its 70th anniversary this week. Joseph L. Mankiewicz is all about Eve. One of the bitchiest movies that ever bitched at anything. So, All About Eve stars 
Betty Davis in probably one of her best performances because she's playing almost a version of herself is a famous actress and then she meets Eve Harrington this you know fan who's she's so she's so down and out she's so sympathetic and oh she just needs to help her out a little bit and then she just starts worming her way into Betty Davis's life and screwing it up and kind of taking it over and there's an awful lot of Broadway bitchiness there are some grand dame acting type things, but I think this appeals to a lot more people than you would think it would with me just saying like, oh man, it's about bitches in that it feels incredibly modern, except for like how formally everyone is dressed. I feel like you could just film the screenplay today and like you would get it. You know, it's all about feeling insecure in, in your place and backstabby friends and who can you really trust and and trying to figure out like who you are and what's really important to you. Uh, and it's just meticulously acted. The screenplay is perfection. And Joseph Mankiewicz is not one of those super well-known directors, except for like for big classic film fans, but he knows exactly how long every shot should last, exactly where to put the camera. And, and the movie is just meticulous. It's like, I, I can't think of a single thing that I'd be like, oh, I got to change that. Oh, that didn't age well or whatever. So, yeah, All About Eve, it came in 16th on the AFI's list of 100 Greatest Films. It was in the first pack of films that went to the Library of Congress's National Film Registry. It is definitely important, but not important, air quotes. Like, uh, it pushes the, the medium forward with technology or, or anything. It's just kind of perfect the way it is. So, All About Eve from 1950. I absolutely recommend, even if you're not interested in the gay canon of films, or you don't really care about actresses and their problems, it's worth a watch. I think you'll be surprised. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. Coming into 2010 with The Catalyst by Linkin Park off of A Thousand Suns. Uh, welcome back to the final segment of 302010. We talk about what happened just 10 years ago. Yeah, Linkin Park had an album out. There's something that won't happen 10 years from now. We've got some other new releases. Uh, Airtight's Revenge by, uh, by Lal. Am I saying that right? No idea. This is a segment where I really mispronounce things in music because I am so <laughs> far gone. Dark is the Way, Light is the Place by uh, Amberlin. I think that one's good. Can't Take That Away From Me by JoJo. Kaleidoscope Heart by Sarah Borelias. Mm-hmm. I want, enough. Yeah, I want a compliment. I don't think I deserve one. Audio Secrecy by Stone Sour. Science and Faith by The Script. And Hurley by Weezer. I saw that in, in a Best Buy pamphlet. And I'm like, is it April Fool's Day? It is. What? That's a weird one. What? <laughs> I mean, it's literally a picture of Hurley from Lost. It's not even is like that... Jose Garcia. It's like his character, yeah. Hurley. <laughs> I Weezer, and it's like, can they just buy their way into the zeitgeist like that? That's I just insane. don't get it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Our, look for our new album, Daenerys. You can't just do that. Uh, Love the Way You Lie by Eminem featuring Rihanna is still number one. And Damn. Still. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, I, I, yeah, it's weird. There's not a lot of n- notable news IMO, but I, you know, I do love a good tech story. I, I, I find it really hard to believe Apple TV is over 10 years old just because I've never found a reason to purchase one. 
<laughs> but they made it uh, less than $400 and uh, much smaller. So that's like mm. the Apple TV you know now. They also announced an internal social network inside of like iTunes called Ping. Like, Ping? I, I've never what? heard of this, and I'm not Googling it. So I'm asking, did anybody use Apple's social network in iTunes called Ping? Let me let us know. I have never heard of this before. Wow. And your boy was on Google Plus day one. <laughs> TikToking for life over here. That reminds me, there's I've been binge watching a certain CW show that we may or may not be talking about in the TV oh. section. Um, but it is the only show I've ever I think I've ever seen where characters are literally asking each other, like, well, did you bing it instead of Google? <laughs> And like oh. every shot of them googling, let's just say vampires, vampires or werewolves, <laughs> they're doing Bing. They're using Bing. It's wild. That it's not like- even like a made-up, you know, search engine like Looky Loo or whatever. It's just Bing. That sounds very organic. Someone, someone coughed up some money. We got a we got a Lycos this lycanthrope. oh good lord uh yeah welcome to 2010 everybody stop thinking about ping because we gotta talk about the movies of september 4th to the 10th in 2010 uh the romantics is out naming itself to guarantee i won't see it with Mm. katie holmes anna paquin and josh demel and to one of the guys from succession kendall oh kendall yeah i actually watched this uh it's on tubi and yeah it's not good (laughs) <laughs> oh, some it, pins and needles i well i was in pins and needles because i saw it as you know like oh this you know bunch of young attractive friends get back together for a wedding and i was like oh are we in big chill territory yeah <laughs> does that mean that sarah's gonna like it or what's gonna happen mm. they do do uh, do yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of drinking and doing of drugs and a lot yeah. of you know, kissing people you shouldn't be kissing. Oh, no. But it feels like a half-written screenplay. Mm. It just, like, it assumes a lot of things. It shouldn't assume that you know about characters, and it over-explains a lot of things that it doesn't need to over-explain. And, yeah, it just feels very half-written, which is too bad because I do think there's a good movie in there somewhere and uh, some great acting. Uh, Malin Ackerman's also in it Hmm. and uh, Elijah Wood. Gosh. And um, that guy from the OC. So, you know, no, the dark haired guy from the OC. What is his name? Adam somebody? Adam Brody. Peter Thank you. Gallagher. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's a lot of wasted talent. Oh, and Murphy Brown's in it. <gasps> Candace. <Yeah. laughs> and, uh, wow. So we, another theme developing now of like too many good actors in a movie. Oh, like <laughs> yeah. the next one? And we end up not liking too much. Yeah. Yeah. The next one, too. I, I don't know anything about Which this, but it's like I, I never even heard of this. I'm kind of stunned because it's Rob Reina. Yeah, and I've heard wow. of most people in the cast, and the title is like, I'm not watching whatever this is. Is it about beer pong? John Mahoney, Anthony Edwards, Rebecca DeMornay, Penelope Ann Miller, Aiden Quinn, Madeline Carroll, and uh Callan McAuliffe. I how do you say that McAuliffe? name? McAuliffe. McAuliffe in uh Flipped. Who could forget Flipped? I'll never forget the summer of 63 when my world turned upside down. Hi, Rice. Oh, you're right. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. This weird feeling started taking over in the pit of my stomach. Are you freaking mental? How did I get into this mess? I have you flipped. What's the matter with you? Yep, I had flipped. Completely. 
Flip rated PG. Uh, it's a yeah. 1950- it says the title. You wins the movie. It's 1950s love story between two kids like who cares? Yeah. <laughs> it's a guarantee that i'll never watch a movie is in the trailer for it to say i'll never forget that summer and then play some sort of baby boomer jack off song i'll well, never watch that movie. who could forget brooklyn in the 50s walk like a man boo uh uh, I think it's about time for us to start updating them now and just be like, God, I'll never forget that magical summer. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for it. Like, so smooth. <laughs> I can't wait for you I'll know. never forget that summer of 2020 with that wet ass pussy. <laughs> <laughs> that summer I had the wettest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a summer of wet pussies in our hearts and as we grew up in our minds. <laughs> I just bought a bucket and a mop and learned how to kegel. And <laughs> For some of us, a wet ass pussy is alcoholism. <laughs> oh, no. A summer where none of us could leave our homes, but all we could do is stay at home with our wet ass pussies. <laughs> I was sick with coronavirus, nursing a wet ass, but never mind. Never. Oh, God. Oh, God. Um, someone have Ben Shapiro read a transcript of this. Uh, oh, God. Uh, uh, anyway, yeah, no, yeah. Flipped is a kind of boomer coming of age movie that, uh, you know, people said, oh, it's got some nostalgic charms, but it's got like a 55% or on tomatoes. Nobody saw it. Nobody cares. Rob Reiner. Sorry. No, go back to stand by me. Sorry, buddy. Um, and I am still not here for I'm still Oof. here. Sorry. Joaquin oh, Phoenix. Okay. Oh, directed by this, Casey Affleck. Yeah. yeah. This so fucking Jesus, movie. Where, where do we start with this? Every ad. I couldn't find an ad that would tell you what the movie is because it was all just too visual. But Let's remember, Joaquin Phoenix suddenly said he was quitting acting and he wanted to start rapping. And it turns out it was for this movie? Yeah. It was like all an elaborate prank slash performance art thing he's doing? No. Yeah. I don't know. You could watch this movie or or, or you could watch the two Letterman clips, the one where he is faking going crazy and then the one where he returns and has to like explain what what happened to Letterman. Mm. And, And sort of like, yeah, he was like, man, this really could kind of burn my career if but luckily no one really bought it uh no. from the beginning mm. but it, it i don't know I, I think it's an admirable thing admirable thing to try and do some weirdo no. andy kaufman-esque performance art thing but no. the movie is pretentious and stupid and at no point do you believe any of it is really happening. this is like a really stupid inside joke between two guys yeah but sure. like sure. but it's they're like oh it's it's an inside joke, but it's like it's not an inside joke because I know exactly what you're doing here, and it's just not funny. I can like, think of one person. This movie made I can, me angry. I can think of one person mm. to be really angry in an Adam Sandler pitch meeting. <laughs> 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 but I am still here. The real fake story of Joaquin Phoenix very publicly. I'm quitting acting to start a rap career. Some people. It made the news, but no one was really convinced this is really happening. And of course, mm-hmm. it wasn't. But it was meant to make a weird fake like pseudo meta documentary about Joaquin Phoenix I I can't even imagine what this clip would show (laughs) 
I don't give no. I live forever on the one and gone. I feel real. I won't kneel. Blessings God, my team know how I feel. I never saw. I, this might sound be more believable. Like, dude, you're great in getting about getting into character. Did you? Did you try this before you did it? <laughs> did you try it's rapping? Terrible. Like practice? Mm, what the fuck? I got through maybe a third of this movie before I was like, this is deeply unpleasant. And like the only part that I enjoyed was when he stops most deaf in the airport to tell him about how he's starting to rap and just to see most deaf try to act like, yeah, okay. Is this, a, right. is this a bridge <laughs> yeah, I want to burn? Like a good idea. <laughs> but that is like literally the only part. The rest of it is extremely unpleasant, unless you're yeah. the type of person that wants to see Joaquin Phoenix scrolling through ads for sex workers and talking about what he wants to do to their bodies, mm-hmm. casually dropping racial and homophobic slurs mm-hmm. in conversation, mm-hmm. and uh, doing like snorting cocaine off of naked women. Who with their faces blurred. Yeah. Yeah. What was so weird about this is like, okay, I'm finally going to watch this, even though I know it's this sort of weird gonzo thing that he's doing just to like, and and I know he's going to be like as unpleasant as possible in this movie. And I fell asleep. (laughs) (laughs) You'd think someone being crazy and weird would keep me awake just to see what are they going to do next? I was so bored mm-hmm. by the by, by the the attempts at antics it was so repetitive that i fucking nodded off and i almost never fall asleep during movies i i do i somehow made it to the end of the and just the end of the movie is like just him for 10 minutes silently walking through water Ugh. it is it is pure pretension a a inside joke gone too fucking far I was really because it starts out the movie starts out with like a clip of a home video of him Mm. from when he was a little kid Mm. and then it kind of goes a little bit into like his like ascent you know like with clips of him and you know different award shows and stuff like that and I was kind of hoping this was going to be like eh, a little bit of these antics but then also a little bit of a documentary about Joaquin Phoenix who probably is an interesting person who has interesting stories especially about his relationship with his brother and everything but no, it's just a unpleasant person being deeply unpleasant on camera. Yeah, and not, yeah. not enough celebrity involvement. Like, no one really wants to be involved in this. Nope. No, it's Casey Affleck, and that's literally it. And yeah. then a bunch of hangers-on. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm still here. I cannot believe we're still talking about it. I wish it today. wasn't. <laughs> Ooh, one of my most unpleasant theatrical experiences. I Just because I had signed on to write something for a magazine... And it's like, it's not playing anywhere but Oakland. I'm not driving across the bay to write a paragraph on this. And Lander's like, we paid you. <laughs> and like, you're going to force me to go see Resident Evil Afterlife for a fucking paragraph. It's not even about Res. God damn it. And I fucking hate this movie. I hate, I think secretly, <laughs> Paul W.S. Anderson is the worst director we have. And he makes nothing but bad shit out of things that I like. And he's hogs Mila Jovovich. Um, and in this case, Allie Lauder, Spencer Luck, Wentworth Miller, and Sean Roberts for Resident Evil Afterlife, uh, number one at the box office in 3D. They created her. They tried to stop her. They left her for dead. Why am I not surprised? But on September 10th... Don't even think about it. Alice... Let's get revenge on Umbrella. ...is back in 3D. Is that any way to treat a lady? Afterlife in 3D. Rated R. In- 
it's so it's so weird. I think the article I was writing, like how not to adapt video games into movies. And because mm. I don't think like you don't have to be like one one accurate. Look at Marvel. Like they call it Civil War and like that. It's clearly a different thing, but like takes the tone and does something a little different. This Paul W.S. Anderson like seems like he's never played a Resident Evil game. Uh, I believe he has to kill whatever Mila Jovovich's name in the beginning to undo her psychic powers he gave her in the last film. Whatever. It's not like Resident Evil's game stories are that great, but just he 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 cherry picks little pieces of authenticity that really irritate me. Like, oh, there's Ada Wong's red dress, and that's exactly what the executioner looks like in the game. We're of course not in Spain or on a in a house. We're on a fucking ship made of prisoners. Which where the fuck are we? Why are we doing this? And and and, and just that, like this movie is so expensive and in 3D. It's like the last thing I saw in theaters and like. Did that guy just walk back from the wrong side of frame? I mean, <laughs> you could say he teleported. They're that type of movie, but like, there's a I'm like, wow, there's a lot of real amateurish mistakes in this 3D movie. Uh, I hate the Resident Evil movies. Uh, so this is number four out of six, right? Yeah, out of six, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, Which is yeah. weird because Resident Evil Four, the game, brought a bunch of lapsed Resident Evil fans and new fans into the series by completely revitalizing what it was and this resident evil 4 is just in 3d and it resurrects a bunch of characters too it's just i i find it absurd and i don't want to i know a ton of people like these movies but like i don't understand how you can like the games and like these they're kind of like an oddball slap in the face like if, if you're if your dad like i thought you liked ada wong so i put her in the movie uh, it, it, I, I hate these films <laughs> i have like my feelings about Surprise, I have a feeling about Resident Evil movies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those things that comes up where, like, I have no f- real feelings about Resident Evil one way or the other. But nope. I have a very special place in my heart for these movies because um, Sam and I went on a little weekend getaway a couple of years ago and stayed at Airbnb and, like, had a nice first night. The next morning I got struck down by a terrible stomach bug and I had to stay in bed all weekend long. We had, like, all this stuff planned. And we ended up just watching a Resident Evil movie marathon on IFC. (laughs) And it was, like... It was kind of sweet, you know. It was just like one of those things where it's like, oh, at least we could still spend time together while I was deeply, deeply ill. And so I'll always have a little soft spot in my heart for Resident Evil. Because if you're going to have a stomach bug, Resident Evil's a pretty good movie marathon to have it yeah. during. Mm-hmm. You're not can, missing too much when you're leaving yeah, the room in an emergency. Just, yeah, just get up and spend 20 minutes in the bathroom, come back. what I miss? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't really matter. The character will be resurrected weird. in the next movie. It's fine. I mean, I get. I like that we have such a popular series that's an action series starring a woman, like a bunch of women. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't care. I really don't care. It's fine. And I really, I really like Mila Jovovich. By the way, I think she's fantastic, and and it bums me out that she did exclusively this with her husband, who doesn't deserve her. She's never met me. She doesn't know. (laughs) It's not her fault. It's not, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Again, I don't want to piss people off because, like, man, I don't ever want to deal with Resident Evil fandom again. Uh, <laughs> um, hey, you like what you like. That's fine. Yeah, yeah moving into television of 2010, September 4th through the 10th. Um, this is si- a silly little forgotten thing. Um, Cartoon Network apes its own Adult Swim's robot chicken, but it uses 
a brand that no longer really exists, Mad. Mad Magazine, No Not Mad TV, the sketch comedy show uh, with Will Sasso. We're talking about a, like a robot chicken style sketch-based cartoon network show that every time I watched it, I'm like, this is surprisingly adult for what's on Cartoon Network and also like nowhere near adult enough for what it wants to be. It, mm. This is this is not going to please anybody. But for animation fans, it, it was like reading a mad magazine because like you could encounter a different style every couple of seconds, not on like, you know, flipping between spy versus spy or the lighter side. And I'm definitely not saying those needed to be adapted for a mad Cartoon Network show, but this got like surprisingly terrible reviews. <laughs> and uh, I, I, as someone weaned on Mad Magazine, it it uh it makes me very sad. And um, yeah, also on the on the eighth of September, Terriers debuts. Uh, Yay! Show Sarah wanted to mention with Donald Loge. Exactly. Uh, yeah, this is such a great little show on FX. It unfortunately only got one season. But it's Donnell Logue. He um, is playing a old a ex-cop and someone in recovery who is basically does unlicensed private investigations in this small town that's basically San Diego. Um, and it's it's like a comedy drama noir-ish for sure. And it's a real sweet, really great, well-written little show. And it's it's just a, a real bummer that it only got one season. But if you enjoy something like Veronica Mars, then I would absolutely recommend Terriers this, um, because it's it's very similar in tone, you know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know critics all went crazy for this. They mm-hmm. all said, oh my God, this is like the best new show of the year. And then nobody watched it and it's mm-hmm. a terrible title and then it went away. Yeah. And yeah. I still I still feel bad. Still haven't caught it. Still haven't watched Veronica Mars on either, honestly. Oh man, you would <laughs> so, love it. All right. Maybe should I start with Terriers because it's shorter? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Find or it. maybe do a season of Veronica Mars and then switch over to Terriers and then switch back. Okay. Yeah. No, it sounds fun. It's just it's been on my list for ten years now. I feel yeah. like a dick. Yeah, I'm sorry. Not being able to get in the first episode for some reason. I thought it's like it's from the makers of the Shield, and like I love the Shield, and like what the fuck is this? And it, I think the <laughs> Shield guys like wrote one episode or something like that, and I, I was misinformed. But yeah, maybe it's worth giving another shot. Um, tell you what, I won't be giving another shot at all. Chris Angel Mind Freak. <laughs> <laughs> the finale. It went six seasons. Wow. No fair. I thought there was a Twitter account like devoted to like posting old, more stunts than anything, and like. Was this passable in a pre-HD TV small screen era? 2010, we were still doing widescreen. We were doing widescreen at that point, right? This fake explosion that hides a completely different camera angle is so ridiculous. <laughs> uh, Chris Angel, mind freak, and I have not. Is that he's got to be, still be doing something in some casino land somewhere? But uh, oh, yes. yeah, oh, I'm sure he's still making money hand over fist, probably. Yeah, this ain't your daddy's magician. Yeah, um, uh, Sarah can speak to the uh, season two premiere of The Vampire Diaries, I suppose. That's right, y'all. I'm super into it now. <laughs> I think like just a couple weeks ago it came up and I was like, yeah, I just never really got into The Vampire Diaries, which seems right up my alley. Well, guess what? I'm in it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm blaming COVID, man. And also because every show that I've like started watching in the past couple of weeks, Sam has come in on like the third or fourth episode and then he's gotten into it. And then I'll be like, okay, well now I can't watch this without you. I knew he wouldn't want to watch vampire diaries. So um, <laughs> it's great. It's very, very, very stupid. 
<laughs> it's a bunch of teenagers who are vampires. So they're also like 147 years old also. And uh, yeah, it's funny because it's like set. So in case you don't know what Vampire Diaries is about, it's set in this like town in Virginia where apparently there's been this vampire problem since before the civil war. And so some, and they're still hanging around and some people in the town have been like part of this club to protect the town from vampires. It's been passed on by a generation. And the only reason they know about these vampires is because their ancestors wrote so many diaries about vampires. Oh my God. So that's why it's called that. Ew. Yeah. Okay. I'm like, why is everybody in this show writing in a damn journal all the time. And then I was like, ah, oh, yeah, because it's called The Vampire Diaries. Mm. <laughs> so oh, if you want to talk to me about Vampire Diaries, I have opinions. I, okay? I, I'm not in the position Just... to shame anybody for their COVID viewing habits, but no. This, this one is still mystifying no. to me. <laughs> why? Why? Eh, I kind of get it. It just it sort of all moves along. It's not exactly challenging. It makes you feel a little bit better. I just, I, it suddenly has occurred to me how that I am retroactively mad about anything with vampires ever because vampires never make out of date references and they should all the fucking time. <laughs> yes, because they should. Because if they... you're like 150 years old, yeah. then. You should be, you know, say something about like, wow, that guy's really handsome. I bet he's in like Flint. And then everyone looks at you like you look at your grandpa. I don't know what that means, grandpa. I don't wow. understand your references. You just explained a lot about Dennis Miller. I'm not sure he was ready to be outed. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, He actually knows who the Prince of Siam was. Like, yeah. <laughs> Dennis Miller is just an energy vampire. <laughs> Uh, good. What we do in the shadows reference. And I don't know anything about yeah. Nikita. It debuts in the CW. Uh, this week as well. It's another La Femme Nikita show. It is. Uh, the another second one. or the third, I cannot remember. Well, the yeah. movie was great. The movie was it's fucking great. recommend for me. Uh, I would recommend half of the things in the games list. Let's just say NHL 11 is out because it's not out until next week, but there's like, this is a very odd gap in 2010 where there are no game releases during our period. But there was some DLC and Snoop Dogg becomes the first hip-hop star to have a playable music in a rock band game. So that's interesting to some people. But that that about wraps up the show. Please stay tuned. We'll tell you who died and who lived, who was born uh, during this period. But also I want to give a shout out to Kevin Kittredge, our executive producer for this episode, and many other fine people at patreon.com slash lasertime that make this show possible. Got a bunch of commentaries for you over there. Uh, if you're gearing up for Halloween like I do, we have a ton of uh, exclusive Halloween podcasts. Uh, looks at Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street and Child's Play. All at the cost of five bucks. Sarah and Sam talking about Chadwick, uh, the passing of uh, Chadwick Boseman, as well as, uh, you know, lighter news. Bill and Ted face the music. My little review on that. And then in terrible news, we talk about our own weird MAGA shooter. Um, <laughs> but yeah, check that out over there. Diet, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter at ListenAynerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast, 302010podcast. And what's coming up next week, we have the redemption, the full and complete redemption of Ben Affleck, and also Meryl Streep playing Carrie Fisher. Hell yeah. Talk about the canon. I'm confused. I am I'm pumped. I have like a foam finger. I am like <laughs> face paint. I'm like, yeah! Yeah, I am into it. All right, maybe needs to look ahead. And without further ado, we got to know who died during this period. 
Well, the only one I found this week, uh, 1990s, when we lost Irene Dunn. She was 91 years old. She was the star going back to, oh, like the early 30s. Mm -hmm. uh, the original Love Affair, The Awful Truth, Cimarron. Yeah, she'd been around a long freaking time. Oh, I, I think I saw Robert Schimmel may have died in 2010. If you, He was a famous oh. stand-up comic. and Yeah. I think he had a big HBO special and maybe another special where he talked about having cancer and then died of it. Uh, but yeah, he died that week, and uh, without but you're right, he did. Yeah, age sixty. Yeah, I was reading some dumb comedy timeline, but with the deaths, we got to figure out who was born, who ascended into our world with the bubble bu bu birthdays. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. Oh, We've had a couple weeks where you guys got it too fast. So let's see how we do this week. Oh, I'm going to start making them more and more obscure, maybe. Okay. No. Maybe my clues are too good. I don't know. But turning 60 this week, born September 4th, 1960 in New York City, is one of 10 children. He had a club foot and had to wear braces and get surgeries. That was Elvis. No. You're no. thinking of Forrest Gump. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking of. That's... that's... <laughs> Yeah, so because he had the club foot, like he used comedy to make friends and keep up with the other kids because they'd like leave him behind. Then he dropped out of high school at 14 to pursue stand-up. Don't do that! <laughs> <laughs> I, we, you, you never hear about the person like, I dropped out of school, 14 to pursue stand-up. Really derailed my life for 20 years. It's, uh, yeah. You only hear about your Eddie Murphys <laughs> and your, your David Chappelle's. Yeah, um, at, least, at least get your GED. Come on. I didn't get that every um, time. Go have fun. So, drops me out of 14. Ten years later, he was a feature player on SNL and was fired after 11 episodes. Damon Wayans. It is Damon Wayans. Wow. Uh, I love that story. Uh, he, he got sick of playing tiny, tiny bit parts because he was having a rough time getting people to write for him. And I think he was playing a bailiff and just like mm. came on stage, said, fuck it, tied his shirt in a knot and play it gay to the rafters. And yep. all the writers were appalled. Like, why did you do that? And like, there's nothing for me to do. And was fired from SNL for making a tiny character insane. Insanely <laughs> <Totally laughs> big. Um, but yeah, that about wraps up our show. Yes. Oh, I haven't listed all the things of this oh, we talked about, though. Colors, Punchline, Hollywood Shuffle, Roxanne's Celtic Pride, uh, Great White Height, Bulletproof, Earth Girls Are Easy, I'm Gonna Get You Sucka, and of course, In Living Color. Yes. Uh, 60. We have to start calling him Damon Wayne Sr. too, and I'm true. not okay with this. <laughs> Why would he do that to his kid? Damon Wayne Sr. though is very funny. Yeah, he yeah. is. He doesn't yeah, he deserve really like him a lot. He doesn't deserve to be saddled with a junior. He's so good. Oh, the episode of Happy Endings where his dad comes on and plays his dad is very, very funny. <laughs> That's another show I never saw, but always felt guilty for not Fantastic. Uh, but I'm sure we'll talk about more of it as the 302010 oh, timeline marches on as we wrap up our fifth season. <laughs> that reminds me, actually, is that so much of the Joaquin Phoenix movie, uh, I'm Still Here, so much of that I was thinking it was just Adam Pally doing a character. <laughs> Because <laughs> they, it's the same sort of vibe. Yes. Let's, let me disrupt Except for Adam everything. Adam Pally's way better. For my own amusement, and then eventually some of ours. Uh, but yeah, you can check out more at legionpodcast.com. Patreon.com is how we're supported. We thank all our patrons out there. We really, really do. We couldn't do it without you. Thanks so much for your generosity. What are we taking people out with, Di? Uh, we got to take them out with Freedom 90 by hey. George Michael. Yeah. This song is so freaking good. I just, the second it comes on, I start just doing this little cha cha across the floor. And I don't know, it gives me like that little bit of hope. Yep. 
George Michael will come back to life. I shouldn't shit on this. Let's let's close out with George Michael. Making us happy in 2020. Uh, we will see you guys next week. All we have to do.